guys, welcome to Rankin Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? It's going well. How are you, Ryan? I am well. I'm actually uh, about to jaunt out to Chicago uh, for uh, about a week and a half. Um, All the old sausage grounds. Hot shot shot shot, which I'm already bracing for how unforgiving the weather is going to be, because I'm used to, like, Los Angeles winters now, because I'm a little soft-skinned baby man who lives in LA and it's only ever 70 degrees at the lowest and the Midwest is a hostile barren wasteland so I'm sort of stealing myself for that. Okay so maybe you can put this to bed Mm -hmm. when you become an old goblin yeah does your skin get hard or soft? Ooh, that's a great question. I wonder if it's related to the sort of life you've lived and, like, God rewards the faithful, and if you've been a, a good person who's tried to lead an honest life, your skin is soft, and maybe if you've hardened your heart and your blood has turned to dust, that that's when you, you become Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four. Because, yeah, I think that might be something. Because my grandmom... Well, one of my grandmoms had, like, really soft, like bible paper skin oh, God. like and the other was you know a horny demon i think of that wallace <laughs> stevens her horned feet <laughs> it's literally that which also um one of the movies we're gonna uh, get gonna get into Pumpkinhead. there's a scene where so yeah so so what is the lady in pumpkin heads <laughs> well, well there's the lady in pumpkin but sp- skin feel like. specifically i'm thinking of this one line from lance henriksen at the beginning of the movie where he's washing his son's hands and he's like when I was a kid, my mother would, or, 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 grandmother, my grandmother would would wash my hands, and she had skin as thin as tissue paper. It felt great, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. Now I will admit that when I was a kid, I would rub my mother's elbows, like right. I would take the extra skin on her elbow and like spin it around like a trackball for a centipede game, and it would bug the shit out of her, and she would just always yell at me in public quit doing that <laughs> so wait so now that you've uh now that you've had a kid kids are weird right they just fixate on weird stuff and you kind of can't talk them out of it like the loose skin on your elbows oh yeah my son has a finger sucking and ear pulling ritual and we're um trying to get him to kick the habit mm-hmm. we have so he did not suck a pacifier much as a kid uh, he sucked his fingers, and now we're trying to get him to transition to. Uh, the, apparently, um, there's things on the market called chewy tubes. Uh, I want you to Google this chewy, right now if you're listening to this. Chewy tubes. And a chewy tube is a uh, sensory tool for kids with uh, at occupational therapy, like my kid. And they're basically just uh, adult. They're like children chew toys, so like socially acceptable chew toy. So uh, we have. <laughs> Now dropped upwards of ten to twenty dollars on chewy tubes because we bought one, and it did not have the right finger texture, so we had to go to another finger comparable. Basically, uh, if anyone listening out there is in the effects department and could just mold me a four-year-old toddler uh, hand. <laughs> my son can suck those fingers instead of the ones attached to his body uh please dm <laughs> we will coordinate just make a little tiny baby hand that my son can chew on um which chewy tube which now i realize someone's gonna just mail me a entire uh reborn doll and that is not what i want no. i just want 
the hand. No, you're going to be getting rubber baby hens in the mail, and you're just you're not going to know what to do with them. They're going to start stacking up, and your son is going to roll around on them Scrooge McDuck style because he will have the most baby hands. Which, by the way, Chewy Tube sounds like a really shit guitar pedal you would buy from, like musician's friend or something and it's like chewy because you really want that chewy sound yeah man. yeah it's a it's a chewy tube you, you, you plug your guitar into it and it sounds like the flaming lips and it's it's <laughs> chewy tube which uh, also with chewy tube i see it's funny because um with the sucking on uh, fingers and like weird compulsive child behavior i had an aunt who um when her kids were growing up uh, her son, uh, one of her sons, wouldn't stop sucking on his thumb, so she she just started putting hot sauce on it, like rubbing hot sauce on his thumbs to keep him from doing it. Yeah, that's real ghoul shit. Yeah. Uh, Emily uh, grew up with that, and she would just cry as she sucked her habanero oh, fingers God. until it got off, and then she would be able to like suck through it. Poor Emily, like, suck through the pain, basically. Jesus, that's see, and 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 at a certain point, you're sort of like. What is child abuse and what's just, like, good old-fashioned horse sense parenting? Well, you know, I think the adage that I have found is, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. There we go. So, if you, so, so okay, you have to have some so skin all of this on. is to, it, all of this has led up to the question, is Lance Henriksen in Pumpkinhead a good dad <laughs> or is he a total scrub? And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna start right out of the gate. I'm gonna say... He's a fucking great dad, except... Yeah. Yeah, no, like, because, all right, so... Except that he lets his kid die in the first scene of the movie. <laughs> that kid gets murked immediately. So, um, for those who have not watched Pumpkinhead, uh, it, stories, uh, stories, it follows the story of uh, a good man named Ed, and Ed lives out in the fucking boonies, and <clears throat> he basically this lives... This is on, like, the most southern gothic movie i've seen in a long time oh man it is southern gothic goodness because you've got ed living out in the fucking sticks with his son and um his son i mean they give you now here's the thing first of all i will say i was this is gonna make me sound like a monster i was glad when this kid died because you know when you get a child actor and they're just like oh gee mister i i sure would be obliged if and it's just like Shut up, kid. Like you're. This isn't how kids talk. You're. You're not weird or creepy enough. Like you're. You're like a little Sears Portrait Studio kid. Yeah, he's very staunch moppet mm-hmm. kind of kid. He's an arch moppet, and Lance Henriksen. And you're at this point. You're wondering, like, at what age did Lance Henriksen and his wife have this kid? Because how? All right. So I googled it. Lance Henriksen was born not in 1890, as I would have imagined. He was born in 1940. Um. And he, he's one of those uh, character actors that's just always looked fucking road hard and put away wet. Like, he's got lines in his face, and he's an old soul. So, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Who looks less road hard and put up wet? Lance Henriksen or the part of the movie where Pumpkinhead looks like Lance Henriksen? Man, well, I mean, they're both dead ringers for each other. I mean... You would assume that Pumpkinhead was just Lance Henriksen with more intense makeup, like, because Lance Henriksen's face starts transforming into, he kind of, you know what he looked like? He kind of looked like a really fucked up version of Ron Perlman as the Beast in that thing with Linda Hamilton. Like, if you had taken that and kind of put some gristle on it, he kind of looks like that. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. Did you know that, uh, um... Our director of this movie, 
which is... Stan Winston. Stan Winston. He did effects for White Dog. Have you heard about White Dog? I've never heard of White Dog. I know he's like a special effects god. It's a 82 blaxploitation movie, pseudo like art, like art exploitation. It's a movie about a um, man who adopts a white supremacist's attack dog and tries to rehabilitate him. Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, and 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 you know how it attacks people. It's listed in IMDb as a drama, but it's the kind of movie that's like, but mostly. You know the the tagline for the video release was trained to white dog trained to kill, so you know it's that kind of movie. So yeah, rehabilitating my racist dog. That's yeah, rehabilitating my racist dog. The movie. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it could it could either be like an after school after school special or like an unintentionally hilarious like like there are certain comedies that um, you read just the 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 brief summary of it and immediately you can like smell the cocaine that was flying through the air in the 80s like um hot to trot with john candy are you familiar with hot to trot i'm not familiar with hot to trot it is um... are you familiar with the manimal oh i'm familiar with the manimal (laughs) that's also created by stan winston (laughs) He's got a lot of sins for which to atone. Uh, hot to trot back in the... I will, I will give it to you from memory. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait plays um, an office guy who begins receiving stock tips from a talking horse played by John Candy. God damn, I love bad it's, stuff. It's incredible. And, like, apparently... and I So I fell down a Google hole because I became obsessed with Hot to Trot and how the fuck that happened. And apparently, um, back in the day, Bobcat Goldthwait, like, got the script from his agent... And wrote back to his agent, like, why the fuck would I be in this? And his agent just wrote back several dollar signs. And he was like, okay, yeah, that's that is that's a good point. Uh, so listen, maybe you can identify. Uh, November is our birthday month. Yeah, it is. Uh, Manimal is on DVD, the complete series, for $18.22. <laughs> is that a good investment or is that a waste? Is that a boondoggle? <laughs> right. No. See, the problem is, it's it, you think it's going to be great, and then you are like, and you are just up to your chin in this, and you can't. Oh, and out. Desi Arnaz Jr. Lil Ricky stars in a TV show called Auto Man. What? This is the customers who bought this autumn also bought Auto Man. It's like Tron meets Knight Rider. That one actually. Uh. So, Airwolf? Listen, y'all, if you uh, want to holler out to your boys for our birthdays... Oh, it's from the producers of Tron. Oh, there we go. Auto Man. Okay. With Desi Arnaz Jr. Holy shit. Yeah, we've... Oh, man. Yeah, that's... I, I feel like... Listen, if this podcast was actually just a long a long con to, like, get to know... Just, like, let's just do the podcast and rank all these movies and get to November when it's both of our birthdays, and then... We can send us Manimal and <laughs> Airwolf and Auto Man on DVD month. Step one, establish podcast. Step two, acquire Manimal. <laughs> this is, it's the perfect crime. And we've, we've hustled you all, and I'm sorry, but the Manimal. So, Pumpkinhead, though. Um, so, the plot of the movie, for those who may not have seen Pumpkinhead, because this is one of those movies that's incredible, and a lot of people haven't seen it, and they need to see it. Like, listen. I will be goddamned if the fucking Jigsaw puppet uh, occupies the horror pantheon and fucking Pumpkinhead doesn't. Um, so what is it that you like so much about Pumpkinhead? Because I've watched this movie multiple times, and this week, uh, as a um, 
a peace offering from making you watch some real bad <laughs> stuff lately. I said, all right, you pick the movies, and you said, we have to talk about Pumpkinhead. Yes. What is it about this movie that you love so much? Well, you you put it perfectly at the beginning. This is some perfect so- like southern gothic goodness. This is, you know, of course, it takes place in the south, and you've got these, you know, fucking city kids that come in, and they're, they're, they're racing their bikes, and they kill Lance Henriksen's kid. And he decides to seek out this like storied local witch who hangs out in the woods to like if if you go to her and you make the appropriate sacrifice um a being called Pumpkinhead will come out and exact fucking bloody vengeance for you and it's a, and Lance Henriksen realizes what he's done that like <clears throat> look Pumpkinhead could like puree all these fucking numb nuts and it won't bring back my son so he dedicates himself to 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 putting a stop to what he set in motion and then you kind of realize like well you punch that ticket, you pretty much have to take the ride. Like, you can't just go to Pumpkinhead and be like, hey, man, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, JK, please go back to the pumpkin patch and and go back in the ground and and just, like, take the night off. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Um, And it's it's great because it goes back to all these, like, really biblical concepts about, like, redemption and damnation and the sins of the father and, and all of this stuff. And the creature effects, which, of course, it's directed by Stan fucking Winston. So, predictably... The effects are great. Yeah, and what I love about Pumpkinhead is he looks like an alien, but he's not. He's right. terrestrial. He is hillbilly monster, woods monster. Yeah, like he's he's alien until you really look at the face, and then it's got all these incredible, like, subtle facial expressions, and it looks very human. Like, Pumpkinhead looks like if you raised a small child on nothing but scary stories to tell in the dark and then asked him to draw a human being having never actually seen one, it would come out looking like Pumpkinhead. Yeah. It's really good. And, like, Lance Henriksen oh. generally, like, I, he's got... He's... <clears throat> God damn it, I just love Lance Henriksen so much because, like, this dude was in Alien vs. Predator. He will show up to your fucking grocery store unveiling to cut those ribbons. He, he is the consummate character actor and he will show up, and he's a goddamn professional, and he's so, so, so good in this role, and also every role. Riddle me this. Are these the worst teens in horror cinema? Now, that's a great question, because, like, these are, like, 70s throwback teens. Like, these, these are just mean, vicious little shits. Although, it's like half this crew of city kids are the fucking shit worst, and the other ones are just kind of... You know, they had the bad fortune to be running with this crew that's comprised of shitheads. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like in with the wrong crowd. But, I mean, the fact that the one guy is like, listen, we can't go to the police because I have a DUI on my record and I could lose my license for killing this kid on my dirt bike. Right, so let's just dump the kid and hightail it. Like, Which is the point in the movie where everyone should be like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, no, at that point, it's like, listen, man, if you if that's what you're going to do, we ain't friends anymore. I'm turning you in, and I'm absolving myself yeah, of this. Yeah, but his girlfriend's like, me. no, it's totally legit. We got to help him out. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, even if they weren't responsible for this kid getting killed by a bike, at that point, like, look, your buddy just murdered a child. He may not have meant to do it, but you are plus one cor- like child corpse at this point, and you need to go to the cops. I know you're afraid of the cops because it's down south. Um, maybe don't go down south if, if this is how you're going to behave when, when you fuck up. Yeah, if you're a shitty uh, alcoholic murderer, <laughs> don't go down south. Just stay up north. We don't want you here. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, and also the witch... Hi, this, is, <laughs> this has been a message from the south. <laughs> 
Hi, hi guys. Hi, it's the South. Um, don't don't come around. We're not gonna send you the uh, the Christmas card. Um, the thing is also uh, the witch in this movie who you go to and you dump a bunch yes. of money in her cup. I fucking I think this might actually be my favorite movie witch because she's a salty old broad. She's not putting up with any shit. This movie witch is better than the witch's witch. Oh yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I think my favorite, mm. my my favorite throwaway line from the witch is like Lance Henriksen. You know, he 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 signs up for the murder some teenagers newsletter that he can't unsubscribe from ever, and he just sort of goes, "God damn you!" And the witch just just sort of smirks at him and goes, "He already has, son." And then it, it's like the scene cuts. It's so good, um, and it's funny because like before I ever saw this movie, I was familiar with the movie Pumpkinhead largely from the really bullshit Michael Graves-era misfit song from Famous Monsters, uh, Pumpkinhead. Yes. And it literally is just like, here are some people and things that happen in the film, as with many Michael Graves-era misfit songs. Um, and I, I, I kind of hate that that was my intro to this movie, because this movie is so fucking good. And, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I'm above Michael Graves-era misfits. I'll still listen to Famous Monsters, because there's some good songs on it, and also, it's not as gross as Danzig, but... That song, you could tell they were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for, for songwriting material. And anyway, so um, with Pumpkinhead, I think the other thing I love about it is that at the end, it is not above doing the, but is it dead reveal? Yeah. I mean, and there's also Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings, oh, where Pumpkinhead has wings. Flying around. <laughs> fucking flying Pumpkinhead. Um, Which is already like a seven foot tall monster. Imagine <laughs> that motherfucker in the air. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck does this thing gotta fly at that point? Like, th this thing is like a lanky murder sausage, and you're gonna fucking slap wings on it? It's unacceptable. Um, I just love the escalation of. So, one of my favorite things in film is we gotta top the. As the next generation, we have to top the previous. Right. That's why Asian grindhouse movies are my favorite, because in the Philippines, they're just like, uh, let's put Hitler and Kung Fu in a movie together. <laughs> like, you know, like, listen, if we're going to top the first one, got to bring in Hitler. And and actually, um, Pumpkinhead 2 Blood Wings, I saw that on Svengoolie in Chicago back in the day, and even as, like, a shitty teenager, I was kind of like, oh, this... This is very bad. This should not have happened. So, what is a better vehicle for Stan Winston? Predator or Pumpkinhead? Now, I it grieves me to say this. I think the Predator is probably better than Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Like, I'm not even a big fan of Predator, really, because I think a lot of the stuff about that movie like bugs me to the point that I can't really enjoy a lot of it. But... In terms of construction and in terms of, like, payoff and resolution, um, I think Pumpkinhead is stronger on character than Predator is because everybody in Predator is a two-dimensional shooty guy. Um, but, eh, purely for effects. Like, Predator, now here's the thing. I, you know, just because something is more famous and successful doesn't mean it's better. But I do think the Predator design is more iconic than Pumpkinhead because when I picture the Predator, I can instantly picture that fucking creepy, flappy face. And when I try to picture Pumpkinhead, I mostly just picture, like, a lanky tumor that smirks at you. Did you also know that Stan Winston directed a gnome named Norm? Wait, what? Stan Winston directed a gnome named Norm. Oh, I heard a no named Norm. I'm like, well, clearly he has a name. No, I've... Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because it's gnome named 
Norm, G-N-O-R-M, because of the whole gnome. That's the worst thing I've ever heard, and I'm Googling it now, and I need to watch this. Yeah, uh, so look, it's definitely not as good as Predator, but it's absolutely better than his <laughs> other directorial project, which is oh, shit. Michael Jackson's uh, Ghost. And featuring so Anthony now we have to Michael figure Hall, out where does it go between 134 and 11. <laughs> So let's go with, all right, uh, uh, let's start with a creature feature, right? Um, let's start with... What is a comparable creature feature to Pumpkinhead? Now, I was going to start with Nightbreed, but it's not really a creature. I mean, it's kind of a creature feature, but I think it's actually way, way, way above it. Um, I'd say Gremlins is a more comparable creature feature. Oh, yeah. I, ooh, <clears throat> I don't know. See, I... Hmm. What do you think? Gremlins or Pumpkinhead? So, I will tell you that I don't get the same... When? How old were you when you saw Pumpkinhead for the first time? Um, I was 14. I knew it. Yep. Because I watched this movie and I think this is teenage feelings wrapped up. Because it's the same feelings that I get from watching Phantasm... Two and seeing Reggie Shotgun because I caught it on TNT some Sunday afternoon while my mom was taking a nap. Mm -hmm. um, and the movie itself is not as good as the memory of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have the nostalgia goggles um, mm -hmm. that I do when I watch Gremlins. So I would say that it goes below Gremlins, but it definitely goes um, above The Devil's Candy. Yeah, and I was going to say, and right above Gremlins is Candyman, and Candyman is definitely better than Pumpkinhead. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say right below Gremlins uh, as our new number 51. I feel really good about that. And also we've got the connection between The Devil's Candy and Pumpkinhead because it's what does it mean to be a good dad? Right. What does it mean to be a good dad? Um, it means it, not to... It means don't strike deals with murder witches. Speaking of murder, let's talk about Motel Hell. Yes. Oh my god, I love Motel Hell. <laughs> uh, I love, Again... I love this movie so goddamn When I much. watch these movies, I'm like, but why the... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's and uh, here's, here's, here's what it is, right? So Motel Hell, first of all, you've got motherfucking Wolfman Jack playing a televangelist you've yeah that is that is pretty good <laughs> yeah you've you've got um a bunch of uh hippies buried up to their necks getting their heads swiped off by farm equipment while they're tripping on acid you've got um a guy running around in a pig mask you've got like there's so much in motel hell that i think a chainsaw sword fight oh you've got a chainsaw sword fight like there's so much uh, like way before dale, uh, tucker and dale versus evil you had a chainsaw fight um and I think uh, Motel Hell... Now, the plot of the movie, um, for those who may not have watched it, is that uh, here's the thing. Um, it takes all kinds of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters. <laughs> and, and that's a thing you should know Spoiler going alert, forward. Those critters are people. <laughs> As it happens, people. Um, and it's this farmer named Farmer Vincent and his sister who um, own a hotel with a faulty sign that just, you know, it says motel. Yeah, which, first of all, what fucking motel says motel hello? exactly like that's 100 percent. like look you that was entirely so that it could say motel hell um and so uh, a bunch of people keep coming to um the motel and getting hacked up it's basically um sweeney todd meets the grapes of wrath no it's not um it's 
Oh, God. Well, how would you describe Motel Hell? It's it's so absurd. I think it's a parody of other slasher movies, mm-hmm. except I don't think it's supposed to be intentionally ridiculous. Right. I think if we're being honest, it's just a vehicle for tits. There's yeah. so much nudity in this movie. Yeah. And, like, it, it's it's the kind of 80s comedy that's not actually funny because it's just like, you know what's really funny? Um, S&M jokes. Yeah. Because isn't S&M crazy? So we're going to have a guy in a pleather skirt and we're going to have, you know, a heavyset woman just eat fried chicken with whipped cream sprayed on it are you kink shaming farmer vincent is that (laughs) listen you old pervert fuck fuck this um and and the thing is i mean you're totally right like it is basically a vehicle for tits and like it's one of those movies that I, i think for me the reason i love this movie is because it's like a perfect video shack movie do you know what i mean like it's yes it is for sure it it is it is a it is a greasy street hot dog that you know isn't that good but it hits this very dumb specific spot for you where it's like i mean i know it's garbage but here's the thing a bunch of hippies get decapitated with farm equipment while they're tripping on acid um yeah and, and that is pretty good. It's, 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 yeah, it's definitely good. And plus, I mean, I'm also a mark for um, Wolf Mad Jack uh, in anything. So that face showing up is just, you know, sunshine and babies. It is, it is, it is and kittens and ambrosia. It's excellent casting for Wolfman Jack, too. Oh, yeah. As the greasy uh, televangelist who's just on in the background the whole movie. Right. Which, by the way, side note, I feel like televangelists are a thing that don't get riffed on post 2000. Yeah, I, and the weird thing is, they're still around. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, you've got fucking Joel Osteen's grin and mug, and which, I mean, when I was a kid, or not a kid, a teenager, um, which I guess is still a kid, uh, my mom um, and my, my terrible stepdad loved Joel Osteen because he was just so smiley, and he was always saying nice things, and even as a kid, I'm like, nobody who smiles that much is trustworthy. Like... This man has done something terrible, and I don't know what it is, but we're going to find out. Um, and I feel like a lot of people who kind of didn't um, grow up in, in the early 90s, I mean, my family, they kind of couldn't deal with all of the televangelists who turned out to be a bunch of sex perverts and drug users and con men. Like, it was just a constant flood of, like, call-out posts for, like, Creflo Dollar and Jimmy Swagger and all of these guys, and it's like... This w- okay, you you're making some of those names up. No, 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 Creflo Dollar. Which, by the way, he's still out here doing it apparently. Um, and my favorite thing is that when Jimmy Swagger got busted for having sex with male sex workers, he literally in front of the congregation just said, "Yeah, I asked the Lord about it, and he says it's none of your business, so stop asking me about it." And then he got fired. <laughs> oh, dumb. <laughs> oh boy. I so yeah. So televangelists, like, I feel like you know what it is. I feel like as a culture. I, I think we riffed on that enough in movies and just needed to move on. Yeah, yeah. It's like, look, we are not getting anywhere else with this. We just got to let it go. Right. And it's like, look, we know they're a bunch of fucking con men. And we, we, we you know, we've covered that ground. Um, if we could actually just move on to, like, mocking the Home Shopping Network or maybe, I don't know, mocking motivational speakers or something. Like, I, I feel like that's where that in- inevitably went. Um, Tony Robbins is a monster. So, uh, no, he's not. Uh, Motel Hell, I feel like, um, I like this movie kind of in spite of itself. And maybe it's just, I love the visual of a giant, of a movie called Motel Hell with murder farmers. 
Yeah, and that chainsaw is, like, the longest chainsaw in existence. Yeah, for sure. Although, I, I think my main beef with Motel Hell, I don't care to have a subplot about Farmer Vincent trying to marry a young woman. Right, and the subplot of Farmer Vincent's brother is the sheriff, and really the reason why he foils the cannibal plot is out of jealousy. <clears throat> yes, like, that's entirely why he does it. Which, by the way... um. The, having the, the, the subplot of, like, my brother is the sheriff and also he's, like, in on the take or he's crooked, I think one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in a horror movie was, you know those really... Have you seen any of the uh, very, very, very bad Texas Chainsaw movies post-Texas Chainsaw t- uh, 2003? Um, is that the one with Arlie Ermey? Oh, Which yeah. one is that one? Yep, that's... Well, I mean, that's all of them, because that guy just will not... He's an unflushable cultural turd. I saw the one that was just him being an asshole and not really much of the actual Leatherface, whatever that one was. Beginnings? Yeah, the, the beginning. Like That's pretty much the one. Like, yeah. I think my favorite my favorite bullshit dynamic from that movie is, you know, how you, come, you know how you become a cop, is you kill a cop and you take their badge and you're a cop now. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, it's a curse. You, sh- you show back up to the police station wearing that guy's badge and they're like, oh shit, I guess you're Jeff now. So where do you want to put Motel Hell on this list? Oh, buddy, let's see. I do think it's... Now, here's the thing. I do think it's probably better than Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Wait, really? Actually, no. What the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> I take that back. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare had clarity of purpose, even if that purpose was insane. Um, okay, so if we're talking about video store bubblegum, mm-hmm. that is Neon Maniacs through and through. Oh, buddy. Yeah, you're totally and right. you know what Motel Hell doesn't have? What does it not have? A New Wave concert. Ah, that's true. All In we, its entirety. All we get is really bad, like, synth bluegrass? Yeah. It's like yeah. bluegrass is played on a Casio? Um, yeah, that's true. Now, I do think it's also better than Murder Party. Now, here's the question I have for you, Quincy. Is Motel Hell better than Curious George, a Halloween boo fest? Curious George, a Halloween boo fest teaches me the true meaning of Halloween. Yeah. Uh, Motel Hell is just boobs. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty much it's pretty so much. So I'm boobs. sorry, that, it does not do it for me. And the soundtrack for Curious George, a Halloween boo fest, fucking slaps. So I think yeah, because the, uh, the squirrel nut zippers had to go somewhere, and they went into <laughs> soundtracking children's television programs. For some reason, my brain was mashing up Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and the Squirrel Nut Zipper, so it's just, like, the, the Big Bad Squirrel Nuts. Um, yeah, yeah. Big yeah. Bad Squirrel which, Nuts. Which, of course, squirrels are what were um, knocking off people's hats in Carrie's Torch. Anyway, um, so I do, yeah. Now, I do think Motel Hell is better than Happy Hunting. Yeah, which is also Murder Rednecks. Yeah. But I don't know if it's better than Murder Party. I think there's some intention in Murder Party that is not present in so like i can't tell if motel hell is a joke or not right yeah and and you don't know on the joke with murder party well and you don't know it's there is definitely a joke but you don't know if the joke is haha horror movies are stupid or if it's haha slasher movies are dumb and we love them and also we're all in this party together and we're, we're having a laugh together like i don't know if motel hell is laughing at me as a horror fan for watching this movie several times yeah, yeah, I think that's what's happening, is it's a, this is an easy film to make, so we're gonna make it. Yeah, and also... And frankly, that 
cutthroat thing and the gargling just drives me nuts. Oh, I yeah. That. Yeah, that's gimmick. Like, that's gimmicky shit. And also, Motel Hell, I'm pretty sure this is the kind of movie in the 80s. You start with the title and you work your way back. Like, yeah. all yeah. right, guys, we have great, we, our, our straight-to-video uh, production company has uh, okayed a movie called Motel Hell. Figure it out. Just figure out a movie that could feasibly be called Motel Hell. Listen, we sold the mo- we sold the rights to the movie based off the poster for the European market. We got to make something. Listen, we riffed on American Gothic for this poster. Um, there's a cultural moment happening right now, and it's the New South, and we're all really uncomfortable with the South. So let's make them all murder rednecks. Yeah, yeah. So let's make that our new number ninety-seven, right above Happy Hunting and right under Murder Party. I feel good about that. Which, by the way, I also I felt like I had, a, and I realized I had a vested interest because I I have a, a Motel Hell T-shirt, and I don't want to admit that this movie blows because then it's like ah, oh, I'm wearing a shirt for a movie that blows. But then I'm like, listen, well, it takes all kinds of critters to, to make Farmer Vincent's fritters, though. So to be fair, for a little while I had a Tokyo Gore Police T-shirt, oh, that movie and that blows. movie is hot trash. <laughs> but it's like wearing a Scott Steiner shirt in public. See, you just do it because you're like, haha, it's Scott Steiner. See, when you said Scott Steiner, immediately when you said trash, I heard that in his voice was white trash. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, you had the big bad booty guy, you white trash. Bad. Yeah, I. I yeah. Yeah. Actually, which which is funny because like um, Christina has mentioned like the only person I will accept fat sh- fat shaming jokes from is Scott Steiner because he is ridiculous. Well, and it's this like grasping it. I don't know what else to say, so I'm just gonna say the phrase "fat asses" bad over ass. and over again. Yeah, Scott Steiner is. I unironically love Scott Steiner promos, like that math promo from Scott Steiner. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, YouTube um, Scott Steiner math. And, and uh, shout out to How To Wrestling. That podcast uh, really uh, hits transcendence when uh, Joanna Graham reads a transcript of that yes. promo. It, uh, she, which is a thing she does uh, in her, her great, like, posh. Uh, her, uh, she describes it as her I'm talking to my parents voice, like this really posh English accent. And she does a Scott Steiner promo in that voice. She also did one as the Shockmaster. Oh, man. That's great. Oh, man. Anyway. So, speaking of wrestling, uh, are you watching 205 Live regularly? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I would say 205 Live and NXT are pretty much the only current product that I watch with any degree of regularity. I catch pay-per-views, like, a day after they happen, and I watch her on SmackDown when I've been made aware of a specific thing where Cesaro was hot, or The Shield did something cool and we're touching on each other, or there was a cool women's match, and that's pretty much what I watch. Full disclosure, I fell off of the Cruiserweights right after the Cruiserweight Classic, and I <laughs> oh, buddy. just watched this episode because, uh, this Halloween episode we're going to talk about, because it has a Fright Night Fatal 4-Way match, and I saw Total Divas Eps mm-hmm. uh, hitting that gift game on Twitter, and I was like, I gotta check this out. Which And what's crazy is, since I have not watched it since like the very beginning of the division like everyone is completely changed but the character work is the most pure like saturday morning cartoon character work that it could possibly be oh yeah i love it it's great like you've got you know like jack Gallagher is an evil posh englishman you've got enzo amore is well enzo amore and yeah everybody on that show like i feel like 205 live 
because um, like I've been watching 205 Live since it started because I, I love my I love my flippy boys. Um, Mustafa Ali, for some reason, is not married to me, which seems like an oversight, and I don't know what's up with that. So he's getting a strongly worded letter. Um, but Mustafa Ali in this match. Now here's the thing. Um, so the uh, Fright Night Fatal Four Way. This feels like a spiritual sequel to a couple of years ago. They did a, a Cesaro versus Dean Ambrose in a Trick or Street Fight match. Oh, that's wonderful. Which my which by the way, Christina still talks about because she loved that goddamn match so much because it was the, like that and the the the, the Fright Night Fatal Four Way are exactly what I love about wrestling. Yes, and and what I love about these gimmick matches is. The table of goodies, which is literal goodies because it's Halloween. But um, so it, we're going to talk about um, episode 49 from 205 Live, which aired Halloween 2017. Um, the rest of the episode is just normal wrestling, except that uh, Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan do dress up like clowns mm-hmm. for Halloween. Yep. Uh, but I think what, what hits its transcendence is this uh, headlining match. Oh yeah, and and really, um, I think on so my I think my favorite participant in this match and a guy that really surprised me with how much I really really love his work, motherfucking Tony Nice. Yeah, I did not think that I would like Tony Nice as much as I do in this match, and he's being such a wonderful cartoon of I am the I am the strong boy. Yes, in, in, he's in the, the cruiserweight He's division. the strongest boy. <laughs> he does that. I'm gonna cut a promo without a microphone, which I also love because they're like, look, we don't have time for all of you to cut a promo. One, because Grand Metalik doesn't speak English, right. so we're just gonna leave him. Uh, Arya Davari will give you that. Uh, Mustafa, you could be the face in this match, so you have candy to pass it to the kids. Right. And uh, Tony Nese is like, well, I'll just holler on my way to the ring about Which... how I have eight muscles. <laughs> Which, I, and with Tony Nese, because like, I remember during, during the Cruiserweight Classic and then when 205 Live started out, I was powerfully bored with Tony Nese because I was like, okay, so your thing is that you're ripped. That's your thing. And then... I was like, I was bored with it, and I he he changed nothing, and I was the one who came around to like, haha. His thing is that he's really ripped. Like, his signature taunt is coming out and counting his abs. Like, yeah. he does crunches during the like during this match. He is heaving jack o' lanterns at Mustafa Ali, who's hung up upside down in the tree of woe in the corner, and he's doing crunches and with each crunch throwing a jack o' lantern at Mustafa Ali. Never before did I think not eating a piece, uh, eating a fun-sized Twix would be a heel move, and yet he pulls it off. I don't get this body from eating Halloween candy. <laughs> which, honestly, like, with Mustafa Ali handing out candy to children, which I assume he just does in his life all the time anyway, because he's the purest and, and the best, um, it, for some reason it reminded me of back in the day when you had, like, the evil Santa, um... And his thing was that he, you know, he didn't give children presents. He took their presents. Yeah, or like Damien Sandow handing children coal in a dirty Sandow. Yes, yes. Or like, we're going to repeal Halloween because it's... (laughs) Oh, I did forget. Drew Gulak did... uh, So, 205 Live uh, rips from uh, DDT way more than any uh, WWE product I would ever have realized. Oh, for sure. But they totally rip off that PowerPoint gimmick from... Uh, Super Sasadango machine, which yeah, who the fuck knows Super Sasadango 
sheet. You do, Quincy. You're, you're the one who knows. Except that whole, like, 47-point slide, except that he actually reads the whole slide and <laughs> slideshow and doesn't get a run in to see, interrupt it. See, one thing that I would love to see from DDT uh, showing up on 205 Live, which is, I, I, like you said, the cartooniest thing on uh, from WWE right now, would be, like, the, uh, uh, the heel... Or like uh, the heel hits his finisher and he's going for the pin and the referee is about to start counting but then the lights go down and a montage flashes on the screen of the great day the referee had with the face the prior day where they're like going out and eating ice cream together there's like soft guitar music being plucked softly in the background and and then the lights come back on and he can't bring himself to count because he's remembering the good day he had with him yesterday Man, DDT is so pure and wonderful. I fucking love DDT. Um, and, Except, and... listen, if you're also into wrestling and you haven't cut the podcast off by now, write to DDT and say, uh, Danchoku Dino, Dino has got to get a better gimmick. Oh, that homophobic yeah. shit is garbage. It's not on, man. And, and then, um, also, side note, I think, honestly, my favorite Holly, uh, or excuse me, um, holiday-related uh, thing that WWE has ever done was the time that Alberto Del Rio fucking murdered santa claus with his car yeah he <laughs> killed had... santa and, and oh and, shit who was his valet at that time oh, i can't remember that was that uh, i think it, i think that was ricardo ricardo does that like throw up crying where he's like oh my god <laughs> it was the and, and I, was like, I, 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 I killed santa and you had john cena backstage like we're gonna beat him up for santa and it's um this is, listen, get your dirty realism and gritty shit out of my wrestling. I want people killing Santa and throwing pumpkins at each other. So that's why this episode of 205 Live is like a perfect hour of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, the finisher is, do, do we spoil the finisher? Oh, yeah. Okay, Mustafa Ali flies off the top turnbuckle with a broom between his legs. Yes. The kendo sticks are painted to look like candy corns. Yeah. And I mean, this also they in fact sell candy as if it was thumbtacks. It's it's fucking great. And actually, and the candy reminded me of I, I almost kind of like when they were selling the candy as thumbtacks. It made me think of that match between the Young Bucks and Candice and Joey Ryan. Yes, yes, which is also perfect wrestling. Right, where you've got which I love how quickly. By the way, so I'm guys. I know you're you're listening to a horror podcast. Um, I'm so sorry. We're goblins and 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 we love wrestling. So thank you for bearing with us. Um. The, my favorite thing about that match with the Young Bucks versus Candice and Joey is that you it goes from goofy to fucking sinister and weird real quick because, like, you know, the Young Bucks dump out a bag of what you think is thumbtacks and it's gummy bears and everybody at PWG is chanting, you sick fucks! And they take a gummy bear bump and then they one of them puts on a shoe covered in thumbtacks and super kicks Candice LeRae and she's got a crimson mask for the rest of the match. Yeah, it's it's hardcore and it's perfect. It I, I just I love the Young Bucks. First of all, I just I mean that's a complete statement. I love the Young Bucks, but also I love them as just like sort of sociopath children. Like they wrestle the way kids play WWF No Mercy, where like mm-hmm. they kind of don't understand the consequences of their actions. They kind of, they're like super powered. They're like the kid that sends people out to the cornfield. Only they're they're wrestlers. Anyway, so where. Do we put? So, so one more thing that I love about this match is the gimmick table is that like wonderful cornucopia. So gimmick tables are great for wrestling psychology because it's a I wonder what they're gonna do next. Yeah. Um, and you see a table with like styrofoam tombstones and like 
uh, cha- like plastic chains and all the stuff that they don't use and like just buckets and buckets of candy. Right. And also, um, real quick, uh, I don't want to put too many people on blast, but if you're at a, a wrestling event, quit begging for candy in the front row. Yes. What is? I, which I never thought we would say that. But they're not going to stop the match to give you candy. Everyone is like, please throw some candy at me. And they're like, no, Ari Davari already did that. Now they're wrestling. And it's like, go to concessions. Get your, what the fuck? (laughs) Now, to be fair, have you eaten concessions at an arena lately? It is untenably expensive. This is how I know I'm getting old, by the way, is sort of, because I I, I went to the movies recently to go see um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri with, with some folks. And I ran to the concession stand before the thing, and I, when they told me the total for, like, a large popcorn, a drink, and uh, a thing of Twizzlers, I actually almost started crying because I was so upset. Where it's like, how? So I'm, I feel you. I made a promise that I would, uh, all throughout my childhood, my dad would mortify me by making a scene about prices mm-hmm. in in anywhere you know how much do you want for that pillow like you know buying a new pillow for the bed twenty dollars twenty dollars for a feather pillow oh my gosh or you know right you know what do you mean the bill is that much i promised i would never do that and then uh the new pokemon movie came out and i took my son to that and his kids combo popcorn uh drink and fruit snacks is like eight bucks and i'm just like no. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, I'm picturing like several mouths bursting out of like your face and the crooks of your arms and just sort of in one voice, would it kill you to put on a sweater? <laughs> and then, and then just like more, more voices like, like it's a who touched the thermostat? And you're slowly becoming like the weird dad. Like it's happening. The, the change has already begun. It's like the fly. The the moon is full. <laughs> the time is right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I can't. I can't to be a dad, me. man. Although uh, no I got open sight. Although it's also funny because like I, I have um, a long running feud with uh, Josh Copeland uh, over uh, Red Vines versus Twizzlers, <laughs> and all they had at the theater that I went and saw three billboards at was Red Vines, and he was gloating the whole night, and. I don't know. You see, and this is, um, I've realized that this is the kind of feud I'm actually into with my friends. Like, I, I want th- I want it to be harmless things where if we're roasting each other, it's necessarily absurd because who gives a shit? But, I mean, that being said, Twizzlers are just objectively better. Okay, so is this one hour of 205 Live better than an entire DVD of The Undertaker in Buried Alive matches? 100% it is better. Um, okay. Because it of course, is not better than IWA Nail Hill Deathmatch. I I would agree. Um, I think that's like, hmm. I mean, like the the, the Nail Hell Deathmatch is sort of performance art in a way that the Fright Night Fatal Four Way match is not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's doing something more. Yeah. And it's doing something more visceral, which. Makes me sound like a total neckbeard ghoul, mm-hmm. but that's what I'm here for. I am here for nail hell. Yeah, and, and but I'm and, also here for for throwing pumpkin pies in wrestlers' faces. <laughs> listen, this goes back to listen. You're for the gummy bears and also the the thumbtack shoe. These yeah, are, yeah, yeah. That's why uh, the Young Bucks versus Candice LeRae is a perfect synthesis of my <laughs> uh, my desires. 
Yep. I'm sorry. Scratch the word desires. That's creepy when talking about intergender wrestling. It's the perfect synthesis for my um, wrestling fandom. Yeah, your wrestling, your, your the things you like about wrestling. Because, okay, which, so, which, by the way, side note, it, it does make me feel like a bit of a monster when, like, with New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of my favorite wrestlers is Katsuyori Shibata, and mm-hmm. a big part of his character involves him getting really fucked up. Yeah, I watched a um, supercut of Burning Hammers today. Oh, why? That, that move is... It kills people. Yes. Like, it literally... You're dropping them on their neck. Like, I remember... Um, when that got whipped out during the, the Cruiserweight Classic, I actually yelled and got up off my couch and put my face on my On hands. fucking Sweet Boy's um, surgically uh, repaired neck? Yeah. I think it was Brian Kendrick who did it to Kota Ibushi? Yeah. Fuck's man. Fuck's sake. So, have you ever seen the um, Styles Clash that broke uh, Yoshi's neck? I have, where he, he uh, is it, talked to Is his... it Yoshi Tatsu? I don't think it was yeah. Yoshi. Yeah, I think it was Yoshitatsu. He didn't what, what he didn't tuck his chin or he tucked his chin, like ref- yeah, reflexively. And he, he's, he's dropped on the neck, and like you see his neck break. Oh, and you see it just like, well, it's it's snuff. It's like, it's not horror, but it is horrifying. Um, well, and I think the worst that's, neck... That's some grisly shit. Well, and the worst neck thing that I can think of, and and now here's also the thing that I don't want to lionize this because nobody should ever do this sort of thing, but that match back in the day where it was a two out of three falls match with um, Akira Hakudo, and she took a second rope tombstone pile driver for the first fall, broke her neck on that, and held her neck in place for the remainder of the match. Yeah, she's nothing to fuck with. She's the she's dan- she is the dangerous with. queen. Like I, I, and that's the thing is like I don't want to sort of oh cool that's so badass because it's like no wrestling is a hell dimension. This is awful and no one should have to do that. But that being said, Akira Hakuto is the scariest thing in these fucking woods. So I feel like that statement, wrestling is a hell dimension, really explains why IWA is better than Two Hundred Five Live. Yeah. Because 205 Live is the Scooby-Doo of <laughs> um, wrestling. Yes. It's the it's spooky, it's horror-adjacent, but it's not horror. I agree. And Nail Hell Deathmatch 1994 is horror. Like, you're watching that going, I'm watching a man die. Like... This is, I mean, of course, like, you know, Jim Cornette voice, where's the psychology? No, listen, this doesn't have to be, like, a technical wrestling match. This is harrowing in a way that a lot of things have not been for me. Yes. So, I think it's better than She Kills, though. Oh my god, of course. Oh, it's way, it's, yes, of course it's better than She Kills. Okay, so, 205, WWE 205 Live number 49 goes right below IWA <laughs> Nail Hill Deathmatch. Yeah. Which shows where our allegiances lie. So the next movie uh, that we're going to be talking about is a classic in the J-horror genre. It is uh, Three Extremes, which is yes. a 2004 anthology horror film, which, by the way, first of all, I fucking love anthology horror so much. They're, it's the right amount. Just like how most of the shorts on our list are really high up. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's just the right amount of horror. 
Yeah, and it's also, um, I think, honestly, this is uh, a great example of, like, Babby's first extreme Japanese horror. Yes, yes. Like, this is, this is like, one of those samplers with summer sausage and cheese and crackers and shit, where if, you know, if you're, if, if you're a horror fan and you haven't really gotten into, like, extreme Japanese horror, like, I mean, you know, maybe you've watched, like, the grudge or ringu or something and, and you're kind of like all right well let's maybe get into a bit of the bit of the hard stuff um it's uh three it's it's actually not technically j-horror it's um from three different south uh, south asian countries right it's korean japanese and chinese yeah and the first one up is um the the, the first movie is dumplings uh made by fruit chen and it's a chinese horror film and uh, Quincy is, uh, you, you have the constitution of the gods because you were able to eat while watching dumplings. So it was not a, it was a harrowing experience and I almost vomed many times because this movie is all sound. It is all bones crunching in her mouth when she's eating these dumplings. Yep. And it's tough also i watched this on pluto tv which inserts commercials randomly Mm -hmm. uh for truck dealerships (laughs) and i get a feeling that you know thompson's and jen's toyota Mm -hmm. doesn't know what their ad dollars are actually going towards (laughs) because it's like okay here's blood running down the bus seat and now buy a new pickup truck nope that does not fit (laughs) at all and meanwhile you're watching a thing about like people eating aborted fetuses yeah it's like now buy a pickup truck yeah no no guy that's not no no um and so like literally the whole thing is about uh this uh, uh this lady who's an actress who's kind of like you know, she's she's well along in years, and she's really, like, uh, she feels really shitty about getting older, and she wants to find a, a, a husband, um, but, like, or no, excuse me, she has a husband who's a, who's a piece of shit who's been seeing a, a younger model, basically. Yeah. Um, and she's, like, pregnant with his kid, and so, anyway, she, she goes to this lady who makes dumplings that, like, she's sort of, like, uh, locally famous for these dumplings, and it turns out, obviously, they're made with fetuses. Um, yes. And she starts so eating them. She, yeah, yeah. And she starts, like, looking better, and it's kind of like some, some clay face shit where it's starting to make her look younger, but also her skin is starting to, like, smell like fish. Um, you know, like it does. As, as happens when you eat dumplings full of uh, aborted fetuses. And then at the end of the thing, um, well, I, I don't want to spoil it, uh, but... Which, we should probably have, like, a house policy on spoiling movies. Like, maybe if it's past a certain year, we don't spoil it, or... I, I think if it makes or breaks it. I would not say that the ending of this movie breaks it, if oh. you find out about it. Yeah, she eats her own fetus. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is grisly. Yeah. Honestly, big ups to the Foley artist on this. Yeah, yeah. She makes the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's fucking incredible. And then uh, the next one, um, what uh, it's called Cut. And it's about um, this film director, like this uh, this film director, who's like a really nice guy, TM, and um, and like by all appearances, he is like a pretty decent dude who who's like a famous film director, and he gets kidnapped by a guy that he used to work with, like a PA or something, and he's also he's an extra, yeah, because he, he's wearing the costume from one of the movies. That's right, and the guy kind of doesn't recognize him at first because why the fuck would he? And he uh, kidnaps the director's wife, and he basically he has them both tied up and. Um, the, 
uh, the director's wife is sort of like at the piano sort of taped up and like he starts chopping off fingers and then he has to kill his wife um, but the wife like takes a giant chunk out of the, the kidnapper's neck and he bleeds to death and the doctor uh, excuse me the director gets like so mentally fucked up by this experience that he thinks his wife is uh, I think the extra is it? Yeah, yeah, he switches them around and he murders his own wife because he's so rattled that he can't keep straight who is who. Yeah, and it's pretty rough. Which I think that this film works until that ending, and then I'm like, fuck this. Yeah, the ending is not great. I, I don't I don't really care for it. Also, can we talk about how that CG does not age well at all? No, no, no. The CG, it is like... also some of the most gratuitous CG, like really didn't need to zoom in through the fucking um water pitcher not necessary yeah i think it's like they were trying to go for a certain thing but cg wasn't quite the thing it is now and so it just looks kind of blatantly oh this is cg and it kind of takes you out of the thing yeah i agree the ending is kind of garbage like it should have ended on something other than oh he thinks his wife is the extra and it's you know kind of like did why did she have to die this is stupid yeah um and then uh, the last one by uh, our boy Takashi Miike, uh, yes. my, 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 wonderful, my wonderful father. Um, it's about a, a, a former circus performer who um, has a twin sister that she was really jealous of. And she, back in the day, like, chained her sister up in this little box where her sister died. Um, and then so she, she feels terrible about it years later and, and like, is f- like filled with remorse and wants to apologize to her sister um, and then she gets this invitation to show up to the circus that she worked at with her sister, which, by the way, this movie could never happen in real life. Like, I, 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 none of these really could, but this one is sort of like, okay, well, th- this is a bit fucking whimsical, isn't it? Um, circus performers. So anyway, she, like, goes back to try to, like, get her, like, sister out of the box, and then it turns out that I, and I, I hate this, I hate this so much, but I kind of forgive it because it's Takashi Miike. It was all a crazy dream. All a crazy dream. Can you believe yeah, it? Yeah, you get the St. Elsewhere ending, and it was all some kid with a snow globe. Um, and really, she's been, like, con- you know, conjoined twins with her sister, and they were never actually apart. And it turns out that, like, you know, she, they, they've been attached all this time. And I, the thing is, it does make me feel a lot of things, like, for example, real fucking uncomfortable, because it's Takashi Miike, and that's what he does. Right. Um, He's very good at that. Yeah, and this is actually, I think, a perfect little Swiss watch of a Takashi Miike film because it does exactly what it needs to do. Boom, boom, boom. Like, it, it clicks right along, and then, oh no, it was all a dream. She's been conjoined to her twin this whole time. Which, I'm really leery of conjoined twins in a horror context because of how how much that's been fucking abused and how shitty that is. Yeah, they've kind of, uh, they've kind of tapped it out. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I, I've never also... Uh, I tapped out of uh, American Horror Story uh, halfway through Coven, so I never even saw the bullshit they did with Freak Show. You know, I liked most of Freak Show, except now looking back, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Grade Zero Misfits. You're into it at the time, you think it's really cool, right? and then you look back and you go, oh, this was Project 1950 all along. Oh, God. Project 1950 is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. It's... I tell you the worst thing is they got one of the backup singers from one of those original doo-wop songs, and oh, she has this, like, caterwauling, 
like thin voice because she's like in her 90s and it sounds right. like hot shit yeah i mean jerry only as a singer sounds like hot shit right he can't sing he's no he can't really play bass either but no but quincy he he invented playing bass and toilet oh. punk and All the right. devil lock and walking upright so um, the grudge is number 72 these three films are definitely better than the grudge oh 100 better than the grudge and also i would put i i hate to say this i would put this above uh, prom, uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Oh, for sure. Now, Audition is at number 29. Is... Do any of these top Audition? This does not top Audition because... And I think maybe that's sort of inherent in the uh, in the anthology format where it's not... Have, it, it doesn't get a chance to, like, be a cohesive full thing in itself. So... This is the first time I've ever seen Fruit Chan's dumplings. We're going to have to watch the full-length film. Oh, the full-length one is better. the best of the three. Easily. And it really gets dragged down. Like, if we're just rating dumplings, it goes above audition, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But Cut really drags it down in quality because I'd have to watch both of them. Yeah, Cut's, cut's not great. Um, I really... Yeah... Yeah, I mean, I really like Box by Takashi Miike, but it's also Audition is better than that, and I feel like the sum of its parts, I would, yeah, yeah. Now, Dumplings other is easily Japanese the best. films, right below that is Female Prisoner Scorpion. I don't feel like it's as good as that. I don't think it is. I and now here's the thing though, I do know in my heart it is better than Children of the Corn. Okay, so the question is. Phantom of the Paradise, Brian De Palma's uh, rock and roll fan of the opera with music by Paul Williams. Yep. Or Dumplings. You know what? I gotta give the edge to Three Extremes. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, for sound design alone. Uh, also, fun fact uh, Emily from the other room said, It sounds like you're watching a porno when uh <laughs> cut was on because the beginning of cut has a that vampire actress drinking that guy's blood oh yeah 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 you've got him sort of a movie within a movie thing um, blah. yeah gimmicky shit although the thing is i would also give um the edge to three extremes largely because this was i think a really important um intro to extreme horror thing for people who may not have gotten on that train prior to this. And, like, Audition was 1999, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that, I, mean, it, um, I saw Suicide Club instead of this. I feel like things would have changed if I'd seen him in a different order. Oh, Suicide Club is not good. Yeah, yeah. Because that actually made me hate any kind of Asian horror until I saw Cello in, like, '05. Oh. oh, I love Cello. Yeah, that was really good. That's out of print, unfortunately. Yeah, I honestly. Hey, if anyone still has their copy of Cello, um, I sold mine at the Hastings like a doofus. So uh, DM us, um, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. We'll trade you an enamel pin for your old copy on DVD. Um, Yeah, we will. Yeah. So so, hit us up about that. So, number 31, Three Extremes. Yes. All right. We've come to the end of another hour of talking about (laughs) wrestling and horror movies. Wrestling, comma, horror movies. Quincy, where can our listeners find us online? They can find us on Twitter at Rankin Vilecast. 
uh, where we are uh, goofing it, just really oh. yucking it up. Oh, just really cutting up over there on uh, on the Twitter over there. Uh, and then also you can find us on Instagram at just rank and vile on Instagram and on Tumblr at also rank and vile. Um, this you can marks... see the pin board grow one enamel pin at a time, at a fright, <laughs> like the blob slowly but inevitably overtaking the world. Uh, you can see the Instagram story of uh, my pin board growing. Yep, it's basic. It's basic. It's like uh, collecting gym badges in Pokemon. Oh yeah, definitely. collecting enamel pins. Um, and then also, of course, uh, we uh, do have our, our our full list of 146 movies. Uh, I'm actually going to um, do a, a, a pinned tweet um, of screenshots of our list so that everybody can sort of see how. Uh, deeply uh, scarred we are as people that we have watched all 146 of these movies yes and then attempted to decide which of them were better than other ones i think we're just gonna start tweeting but she's saying hell's better than dracula untold come at me <laughs> yeah yeah we're just gonna like the really the really incongruous one like hey I frankenstein you know is better than sleepaway camp what now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what's better than castle freak fucking curious george a halloween boo fest come at me fuckers and then just throw a smoke bomb and leap out of the room but yeah. that's all we got uh take it easy folks have a good week